2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
3: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. What's going on?
1: <laughs> I like a million dollars.
3: Want to check out that ring. What's up, TMZ? how you find me, bro? I got my disguise on.
0: What's up, man? TMZ Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to TMZ Sports. I'm Mike Babcock. My guys, Lucas Whitman, Edward Lewis. Mojo is in Europe. Somewhere on vacation, we'll see Mojo in a few weeks. Guys, uh, the New York Jets got a big win on Sunday. Uh, they beat the Texans. Of course, Texans are a playoff contender. 30-6, to retribution for Zach Wilson. And now, gang green could very well have an early Christmas present headed their way because we have been told that Aaron Rodgers is expected to be medically cleared guys before that December 24th, that Christmas Eve game against the Washington Commanders. Now, I know we've talked about this. We wrote about it on the website. Aaron has said two things need to be in place in order for him to get on that football field this season. One, he's gotta be healthy. And again, now that's what we are being told. He is going to be healthy by 1224, but they've also have to have a realistic shot at making the playoffs as we sit Right here today, guys, on Monday, the Jets are 5-8. and eight. They've got a bunch of teams, six to be exact, in between them and that seventh playoff spot. But they are still mathematically alive. They play one of the better teams in the AFC on Sunday in Miami against the Dolphins. They lost to the Dolphins by a few touchdowns a couple of weeks ago, so a very tough game. But guys, I get the feeling if the Dolphins or if the Jets beat the Dolphins on Sunday, that on 12-24... We are going to see Aaron Rodgers take that field just 104 days after he ruptured his Achilles tendon.
4: You know, first thing that I thought of when I heard this news was, um, we're probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers this year because yes, mm. that one domino is going to fall, but the other is such a tall ask for this Jets yeah. team and going up the against the Dolphins that we've seen how they play and match up against them earlier this season. I yeah. don't see lightning striking for them and actually being able to make that happen. Yeah, and, Lewis, and I think the score was weekend. 30.
0: I think it was 34 to 13. The Jets lost just a few right. weeks ago.
4: And where it stands right now, it's about a one percent chance for them to even make the playoffs. So this is a must win against the Dolphins. And that is probably not going to happen. Now, we're probably going to watch this clip again next week, and I'm going to look like an idiot. But you never know what's going to happen with the NFL. But if it's going according to plan, we're not going to see I,
0: it. I really don't think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Ed, I really do not think that the Jets can put him out there. If they lose, they're going to be 5-9. and nine. They have no ch- chance at that uh, point of making the playoffs. How can you put Aaron Rodgers behind that awful offensive line that they have in New York? I, how can you do that, Ed? If they don't have a
2: chance to make the playoffs. I mean, if if he's medically cleared, why not? You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, I don't think that his doctors would would medically clear him uh, uh, without the uh, uh, right. uh, without without knowing that he couldn't take a hit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I, I do think he's going to have the ability to play and probably will play I, if he's medically cleared, Why not play? I mean, it, it, it's no bigger risk than than before, according to his doctors, right? If they're clearing him, it means he's fine. Right. So I, look, I. I it, does it suck that they might be out of playoff contention? Sure, but I think play them. Why not? Do it. Yeah. And I think he's made it clear, Ed, that it means something for him
0: to come back. We've since found out, and he of course went to Dr. Neil Eletraj, who was really now the premier surgeon like Dr. James Andrews used to be. Now it's Elitraj. They did this cutting edge procedure on him. And I think it's clear, and Aaron's made it clear to Eletraj from, from the get-go here, that he wanted to try and come back this season. It's normally like a nine-month injury. It, it, it'll be 104 days. 102 days if you look at from when they repaired it to when he would again take the field. That is so far and away faster than obviously nine months. Uh, I do think it is important to Aaron. So maybe you're right, Ed. And maybe we see him on that field, whether or not the Jets have any realistic shot at making the playoffs. It'll make the decision a lot easier if they were to win on Sunday against the Dolphins. So stay tuned. We'll see what happens. There it was, Bronny James on Sunday with his dad sitting courtside, knocking down his first ever shot in a Division I college basketball game. We talked about it so much here on the show. I didn't know if this was a day we would ever see. Uh, We broke the story back in July when Bronny James at USC was sort of just practicing, playing around with his teammates and went into cardiac arrest. They saved his life, guys. Uh, We have in the in the months of following that medical emergency, we've seen LeBron and Bronny crisscrossing the country, seeing the absolute best doctors. I'll tell you what, that was very reminiscent right there of one of his dad's blocks. He scored four points. He played 17 minutes. He had three rebounds. He also had two assists. It's a game that not the greatest uh, for USC on the court because they actually ended up losing 84-79 to to Long Beach State. Not a game that you'd expect USC to lose, especially with two McDonald's All-Americans on the team in Bronny James and Isaiah Collier, who might be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft this upcoming offseason. That doesn't matter, guys. This is obviously bigger. Bronny James is back, and he looked good out there. And again, I, I think this is a moment that many people thought we would never see.
2: I think it's reflective in, in LeBron's postings about all this. I mean, LeBron was there, like you mentioned, but he also put like 15 Instagram stories about this, <laughs> an Instagram post about it. I mean, he was so fired up for this. Yeah. I think uh, it highlights how he maybe didn't think this was going to happen, you know, yeah. uh, uh, because he was so fired up for it. And even though LeBron, LeBron, like he basketball, he, he's been right. so many bigger moments than, you know, a game against Long Beach State. Right. And for him to make it this big of a deal, I think it's like, wow, Bronny really, uh, <laughs> right. really e- did Even Ed, when
0: you Heard him say a couple of days ago that hey, I'm gonna miss yes. if it's a Lakers game or Bronny's first game. i I know where I'm gonna be and it's not gonna be at the in the Lakers uniform. So yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, this guy has literally accomplished more on yes. a basketball court than almost anybody ever. And and you could just feel Lucas how important this moment was to him. And I, I think Ed, you, you nailed it that they didn't know that this was ever gonna happen.
4: Absolutely. And after the game, we actually got a, a really rare moment of Bronny speaking with reporters because up until this point, he hasn't really talked much. Lucas,
0: this is the first time I've ever heard his voice, I think.
4: <laughs> okay, He does sound <laughs> a lot like his father. But um, the thing is, Bronny, you can tell in his demeanor, um, he was really grateful to everyone who it was involved in this process of getting back after just a little over four months after his cardiac arrest.
2: I just want to say I'm thankful uh, for everything. Um, Mayo Clinic, everything they helped me with. My parents, siblings for supporting me through this this hard time in my life. Um, yeah, I just I just I just wanna give appreciation to everyone that's helped me through this. Yeah, also also my coach, my teammates, all my other coaches have been with me since the since the start. And yeah, I just want to be, I just want to say um, thanks. Thank you for
0: them. Bronny, ladies love cool James with the lick-lipping there. But uh, yeah, it is awesome, awesome moment to see. USC, they, they, they've got to be a little bit better on the court, but obviously a tremendously awesome and heartfelt moment to see Bronny James on that basket. Patrick Mahomes was irate, Andy Reid frustrated how one tiny yellow flag grabbed us of one of the greatest plays of all time and sent the Chiefs reeling. Former NFL VP of Officiating Dean Blandino breaks down the call that broke the camel's back. in KC next on TMZ Sports.
5: Are you ready to shop?
2: It's the call, man. Just in that moment, I mean, it's it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game, and for it to to happen on a flag, change outcome of a game. In um, that moment, I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had that, never had offense offsides called. I mean, that's the, we that's elementary school. We we talk about. I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and and it doesn't get called. And if it does, do you they warn you? and there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's tough, man. It, it, I mean, loss for words, man, it's just it's tough, because regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, at the end of, with another game and we're talking about the refs, man, it's just not what we want for, any, for the NFL and for football. That was Patrick Mahomes
0: after the Chiefs and Bills game last night. Obviously, uh, the Chiefs go-ahead touchdown wiped off the board by the offensive offsides penalty. A penalty clearly that Patrick believes should not have been called. I, I don't know the answer to the question, uh, but this man uh, right here uh, does. We welcome to the show Fox's rules analyst not just for the NFL for college football as well uh, who was uh back in the day the VP of officiating for the NFL so if anyone knows officiating it's this man right here Dean Blandino Dean how are you thank you for doing this talk to me about this call last night
1: yeah yeah you know obviously Patrick and and this is not right this is not a guy that gets very upset about officiating and, and coach Reed Andy's the same way yeah so they were obviously upset look it's a foul. Uh, it's, it's not the, the neutral zone is the length of the football. The only player that can be in the neutral zone is the center on either team. Kadarius Tony is clearly in the neutral zone. Even on the live shot, you can see he's blocking the view of the football and, and you talk about warnings. Officials do work with players typically early in the game. And if it's close, right? Marginal, you want to warn the player. And uh, but you'll see receivers all the time. They look to the line of scrimmage officials. They look to the sideline to make sure. Hey, I'm I'm on the ball or I'm off the ball. Just make sure. Uh, but if it's just blatant and it's flagrant, and this was clearly a foul, the officials have to call it. And I think this was probably there was probably some carryover from from last week's game with yeah. the Chiefs and Packers. So I think there was that emotion kind of bubbling up for Mahomes and, and Coach Reed because, like I said, normally they they don't criticize officiating. But this offensive offside, and I think Mahomes, the point he made is a good one, is that he hadn't seen this in his career. The last time the Chiefs had an offensive offsides was 2004. And this is not a call that's made very often, but this year, and it's because of the tush-push play, right? The Eagles running their brotherly shove. The officials are officiating the line of scrimmage more strictly in that situation, and it has kind of bled over to other areas. You think about 2015 to 2022, there were only 14 offensive offsides called in the entire league. This year already, with the Tony call, there's 13. So it's definitely a point of emphasis this year. So I get it. I get what Patrick's saying is he hasn't seen it, but it has been called. And look, the officials, they got to make the calls that are there. It was clearly a foul and, uh, but obviously it's controversial and the people in Kansas City didn't like it.
0: You know, Dean, and this is a conversation or a comment that you always hear fans make. You can't make that call at the end of the game. I know what you're gonna say here, but is any consideration played or given to when the, the foul happens? In yeah. other words, does the official yeah. keep the flag in the pocket because it's, it's a critical play at the end of the game and yeah, you let I, the players play as they say.
1: I get it from a fan perspective. I was a fan first before I got into officiating. <laughs> (laughs) So I get it, right? You say, let the players decide the game. The problem with that, if you tell the officials that, and then the officials say, okay, we're not going to call anything in the last two minutes, the players, the coaches will understand that and say, hey, we're going to get away with, we're going to play more aggressive, we're going to push the envelope, and then the game, it's going to be decided unfairly for a different reason, not because the officials made a call, it's because they didn't make a call. So you're you're always telling officials, hey, if it's a foul in the first quarter, you gotta call it in the fourth quarter. If you've let it go all game, then you can't all of a sudden start calling it in the fourth quarter. You've got to be consistent, but I get it from a fan perspective. It's an unbelievable play, right? It's one, it's a, a play that is gonna be remembered forever. And it got called back on a penalty. So I get it from a fan perspective, but from an officiating perspective, if it has to be called fourth quarter, first quarter, week eight or Super Bowl, you gotta call it.
0: Going forward now, does does this help the Chiefs get more calls? Are, are 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 officials upset with Patrick Mahomes for the very public criticism? How do the officials react towards what Patrick said last night?
1: You know, it's a great question, and officials are really good. They they not that look, they're people, right? When yeah. They're going to be. They see things. They're on social media. They they see they they are absolutely one hundred percent going to be aware of the comments that Patrick Mahomes said. But the thing is, they're being evaluated in their postseason assignments. Their their career in the league is contingent upon those evaluations. So they're not they don't take it personally. People that get into officiating, if you take things personally, you're not going to last. You're not going to make it out of youth football. So so they don't they block out that noise and they know, look, we've got to go out. We've got to work the next two teams that we're going to go officiate. And it doesn't matter what the players say. They're going to hear. I still hear it. I'm a rules analyst. I don't even make calls anymore. Go on my go on my social media, my ex account on Sundays, and I'm getting hate left and right. So it's just something you deal with.
0: Dean, thank you so much. You add so much to the game. You make it so much more enjoyable, and, and I thank you so much for your insight here. Uh, it, it was great to talk to you.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Over the weekend, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers make uh, absolutely historic move. Bring in Shohei Otani. It's all the baseball world. All the sports world is really talking about. Now 10 years, $700 million. A lot of people talking about the deal. Is it too much money? Is it not? I don't know. This guy does, though. World Series champion, former Dodgers player, current Dodgers analyst, Jerry Hairston Jr. My guy, Jerry, how are you? Uh, what were you thinking, Jerry, when you get the news Saturday Shohei Ohtani, Dodgers, done deal.
3: Well, I mean, like all of L.A., we were excited. All, all Dodger fans everywhere excited. You know, obviously throughout this whole process, uh, CAA with with Mike and Ryan and, and Shohei Ohtani has kept this, this process really, really quiet. You saw a lot of uh, media out there saying that he might be on a flight to Toronto. He, you know, where is Shohei? So you knew there was some type of buzz and you knew some decision was about to take place. And as Dodger fans, we're just hoping, just a glimmer of hope, that he would somehow choose the Dodgers. And then Shoy Otani announced on his Instagram that he's gonna be a Dodger. And obviously all of LA was was excited. I'm excited because we're talking about a generational talent. You know, this is our generation's Babe Ruth. And when we talk about athletes, he's the best athlete in the on the planet, and without question. This guy throws 100 miles an hour, hits 500 foot bombs, Uh, is an elite pitcher, and he's going to pitch again in 2025 after the successful Tommy John surgery. Uh, And he has world-class speed. He's about 6'5", 225 pounds, tremendous athlete. So to get a global brand like the Dodgers and a global transcendent player to to, uh, form that marriage without question, it was the best move for baseball, best move for Shohei Otani, an incredible move for the Dodgers.
0: Jerry, it's it's money like we've never seen before. He obviously you see Aaron Judge signs his big contract last year. $350 million. This is money like we've never seen before. It, does Shohei have to pitch in order for this deal to make sense? And and I and like you said, it seems like the Dodgers expect that he's going to pitch not next season but the following
3: year. Well he, he's gonna pitch again, no question about it. And we're talking about a two-way superstar, not a two-way player. He's a two-way superstar. He's arguably the best pitcher in the world. When he takes the mound and arguably you can make a strong case, especially the way he's swinging the bat. He's top two, top three hitter in all of baseball. So I think he's just entering into his prime, especially with the bat. If you look at his numbers, 304 last year, 44 bombs. And you got to remember, he wasn't really pitched to all that often, right. all that often. Make no mistake about it. And the Dodgers realize it. Shohei Ohtani also realizes this is baseball. This is not basketball. So you got to make sure you have a complete team. And that's why showing Otani's contract was very interesting to me. It shows me that he wants to win. He's deferred a lot of money, you know, in the future. He's going to get a 700 million, but he's deferred his lot, a lot of, of his money for future years. So that way the Dodgers can continue to get players year after year. So, uh, again, incredible contract. Yes, it's a whole lot of money, but he's worth it. He's a guy that brings so many eyeballs whether it's TV, whether it's stadium. He's going to I think ESPN reported last year. He brings in anywhere from 70 to 85 million in revenue alone. And that that's when he was with the Angels. Right. Imagine how much money he's going to bring to an iconic franchise like the Dodgers. So again, he is worth the price of admission.
0: I'll get you out of here on this one, Jerry. I know on Friday, the, the expectation in, in Dodgers land was to win a, a World Series this upcoming season. But what is it now that you've got, Otani, you've added that bat to that lineup for next season? Uh, I, I take it that the expectation around there now is hey, we're going to win a World Series in 2024.
3: Well, it, That's every year, though. It doesn't matter whether the Dodgers got Shohei Otani or not. It's about winning rings, championship. It's L.A whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's the Lakers. It's all about championships, making sure you hoist banners up there. And listen, you know, Shohei Ohtani saw that, he wants to be a part of that, and that's why he deferred a lot of money. It's about also getting other pieces, whether it's a couple more starting pitchers via the free agent market or the trade market. They're trying to make sure they have the best team, not just this season, but for years to come.
0: What an incredibly exciting time, Jerry. Thank you so much as always, man. We're gonna be watching and uh, it's, it's gonna be fun. Anytime. Guys, before we go, uh, there's some movement in the Tom Brady love life category.
4: Yeah, Tom Brady was uh, spotted out in Miami where obviously that's where Art Basel is going down this weekend. But uh, he was spotted picking up his former fling, or so we thought, Irina <laughs> Shake, outside where she was staying, and judging by the images of them, um, you can see on Brady's face it's kind of like a "oh crap" thing. So I don't right. know if they were necessarily ready to a uh, soft launch again, but it's got a lot. No, of it doesn't talking. seem
0: like I'm thinking no, Ed, by the uh, by the jacket she's holding up, covering her face.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe he was just giving her a ride. Maybe maybe she just needed a lift to the party. I, Side hustle. He's picked He's up dating. Uber. He's doing <laughs> Ubers <laughs> now. Yeah, maybe that's all it was.
0: Side hustle. He needs something money. He's, he's got an expensive lifestyle Tom <laughs> Alright, we are just about out of time. we got a big show tomorrow. Though. Look, there's a, a monster UFC 296 card going down in Vegas this weekend. You've got Colby Covington fighting Leon Edwards. Tomorrow guys, we're actually going to be joined by Colby Covington. Got a ton of questions for him about the actual fight and uh, we might be giving it away a little bit here but uh, there is going to be a very high powered guest in attendance. Somebody who, yeah, may be in that picture right there. We're going to have Kobe Covington tomorrow and a bunch of other big stories. Big Monday night game tonight. Go New York Giants. See you tomorrow.